0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we meditate upon this evening is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 51 to 56. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? But then how could the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must happen thus? In that hour Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. The disciples were confused and afraid. That's something we can probably relate to. Here's a good place where I, if I was a Baptist preacher, i I said, can I get an amen, right? Can I get an amen? Confused and afraid. That's something that we understand. The disciples were confused and afraid, and they allowed that fear, at least one of them, at least Peter did, allowed that fear to lead them into making rash and sinful decisions. That's something we can relate to as well, right? In a state of confusion and fear, Allowing that fear to lead us into rash decisions that we later regret. Peter reacted quickly. He reacted decisively. He reacted in a way to protect himself and his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but he still reacted in a very sinful way because... It was contrary to God's expressed will. God had revealed in Scripture that these things must happen, and Peter had already been warned by Christ on a couple different occasions, hadn't he? One in particular where where Peter said, Far be it from you, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get behind me, Satan. But now here Peter is doing it again, standing between Jesus and the cross, like we talked about on Sunday in the place of Satan. Though however much it might have seemed like a good idea, on the outside, the reality was that in his confusion and fear, Peter was allowing Satan to lead him on a leash into temptation. I think that's something we can understand. How does Jesus respond? He responds simply and concisely. Concisely. How then should the scriptures be fulfilled? Jesus' words here call on us to know God's word and knowing God's word to follow the will that he has laid out for us in that word. How else could the scriptures be fulfilled? Peter, your actions are contrary to scripture. Therefore, they are wrong. The nice thing is that we don't always know God's will. Sometimes because we haven't been studying God's word the way we ought to. Sometimes simply because God hasn't revealed his will to us in certain situations. But we have Psalm 46 verse 10. We always have that verse, don't we? Be still and know that I am God. That's a verse that Peter should have taken to heart before the events of our text. Instead of reacting harshly and quickly uh, to the fear and the confusion, instead of rash reactions that he regretted later, should have remembered Psalm 46.10, right? Be still. Wait. Stand back. Put your trust in the Lord. When we don't know what God's will is, We always have Psalm 46, verse 10. We can always take that step back instead of rushing into actions and wait. Trust that the Lord is in control. In moments of confusion and fear, when it appears to us like God is not in control, that that God has forgotten us, that God has abandoned us, instead of following Peter into rash actions, we stop. Trust God. There's that voice in our head, isn't there? There's that voice in our head that tells us, if I don't act now, if I don't act quickly, all could be lost. Lo- salesmen-, salesmen love that voice. They convince us to do all kinds of things by convincing us that if we don't act now, we're going to lose out on the opportunity, right? Know Satan knows how to use that voice to lead us into temptation too. You've got to act now. But the thing is, We know that's not true. Because no matter what, all is not lost for us. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus paid the price, the penalty for our sins. Jesus saved us by His blood. Heaven will never be lost. We're going to heaven. We might lose out on some earthly opportunities, but heaven is ours. And number two, God is in control. And those two facts, those two facts, heaven is never lost to us because Jesus died for us and God is in control, allows us, allows us to wait. I don't have to act quickly. I don't have to rush in like Peter. I can wait and trust. God is in control. Jesus died for my sins. Heaven will be mine. As Jesus says in the gospel, Luke, he doesn't say it in our, our scripture reading from Matthew, but in Luke, he says, permit even this, allow even this. Think about that. If Jesus was able to allow, to he would say to the disciples, permit even this, that, that I should be arrested and scourged and die. If Jesus was willing, willing to allow even that, trusting in the Father, then what is there in our life that we can't say the same thing to allow even this, trusting the Father? Why? Why allow the Son of Man to be taken in chains? Why allow the Son of Man to be, to be crucified? It's easy for us, of course, looking back to understand. It was necessary. It was necessary for our salvation. It was necessary for him to take our place, to die in our place, so that we could go to heaven. A little bit harder for the disciples in that moment, in that fear, in that confusion to understand. But even from our perspective, we still have a tendency to ask why. At least some people, why? Why? Why was it necessary for Jesus to die? I mean, God's almighty, God's omnipotent. He can do anything. Surely he, could have, surely he could have thought of a better way than having his own son come and die. Surely he could have come up with a plan that allowed all people to go to heaven, not just the, the small percentage that actually confess their sins and believe in Jesus. Surely he could have done it better. Why is this the way it had to happen? And to all those questions, why? Jesus, again, responds with that simple, that simple response that he gave to Peter. How else could Scripture be fulfilled? That is to say, this is God's plan, and that's all we need to know. Scripture is God's written plan, right? Scripture, God wrote down the Scriptures to tell us what his plan is. For, for Jesus to say, how else could Scripture be fulfilled is the same as saying, how else can God's Plan be fulfilled. We don't always know why. We don't always know the fullness of God's plan, but it's his plan. And we can trust it. Peter's question and Peter's reaction is a little, more, uh, a little simpler. Right? Peter's not going into theology. He's not going into philosophical debates. As, well, is it possible that there's another way, right? Peter's reaction is, is simple. It's mainly concerned with himself. He sees his Savior being in danger. He, he reacts. Why, why is this God's plan? Why does this need to be permitted? And, and our response is often, our, when we ask why, it's often for a lot simpler reasons as well. We sometimes, some people like to discuss those, what they consider deep philosophical, theological questions. Why, why did it have to be this way? But more often, when we ask God why, it's simply because Why? This. Why now? Why me? We're suffering. We don't like it. Why, why do I have to go through this? Why did you allow this to happen to me, God? But last week, Vanessa and I were uh, in Eau Claire, and uh, I was turn- we were turning, I was driving, we were turning uh, across a four-lane highway, right? So you go across two lanes of traffic coming this way. I was turning left. And uh, then there's a median, you, you can park there while you wait for a chance to turn left. Some of you know North Crossing North Crossing, Claire. So I, I'm turning across left, and there's two cars opposite me, and they're turning to their left, my right, right? So I'm going this way, they're coming this way, and those two cars coming this way block my view. I didn't see another car that was coming right in the lane I was about to turn into. I was just about to turn into that lane when I saw that, that car just whoosh, right past me. If I started turning a couple seconds a couple seconds sooner it would have crashed. Mike and Lynn were saying how they almost had an accident the other week as well. When things like that happen you have a tendency to replay them in your mind. Your heart goes a little faster. Wow, that was close, right? But when it's not close, when the accident actually happens you replay it in your mind a lot more often. If only, if only two seconds sooner, if only two seconds later, if only you start asking, why? Why did this have to happen? Why did God allow this? If only. Surely this was not God's plan. We think that a lot of times too. Surely, that why, why would God allow this? That was Peter's attitude in our text. Surely this cannot be God's plan for the Son of Man to be chained and taken and crucified. Jesus' response to Peter, how else could this scriptures be fulfilled, indicates confidence, doesn't it? Jesus' response indicates confidence in the Father, that the Father is in control, that he knows what he's doing, that if things happen according to his plan, that is going to be a good thing. Even though it really doesn't look like God is in control, Jesus is confident that the Father is in control. And so, okay, let's go along with it. The Old Testament, the Old Testament scriptures, the scriptures made it clear that it was God's plan that Jesus were to be crucified and died. Isaiah 53, 7, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was, uh, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. Many other Old Testament passages, as well, make it very clear that Jesus was, it was God's plan that Jesus go and die for our sins. His blood cleanses us. Jesus was, was confident because the scriptures foretold it, but Jesus was confident for another reason as well, wasn't he? Remember what he told Peter? He said, Even now, if I pray, immediately my father could have 12, more than 12 legions of angels right here. Jesus was confident that God was in control. And so, this, even without the, the Old Testament prophecies, even without the scriptures, this must be God's plan. Because God's allowing it to happen. We, we don't have the, the, the scriptures for telling the, the suffering in our life uh, and those dark and dangerous days that come upon us we don't have old testament scripture saying okay this is what's going to happen and this is what you're going to have to go through and it's a good thing we don't because if we knew what was coming in our life if we knew the things we were going to have to go through i don't know about you but i don't think i'd be able to walk into jerusalem the way that jesus did even with the Mount of you know, even if I got to be on the Mount of Transfiguration, I don't think I'd come down from that mountain with my face set towards Jerusalem, accepting the Father's will, accepting that cup the way that Jesus did. So it's a good thing that we don't have those scriptures for telling us what's coming in our life. But even if we don't know every step. Even we don't have those Old Testament scriptures assuring us that this is God's plan, we still know that God is in control. We have confidence that his plan will be fulfilled in our life. You know, whenever this question of, of why, why me, why do I have to suffer, whenever this question comes up, I always think of John the Baptist, right, who, who dedicated his life so faithfully to the preaching of God's word, and yet, what was the end? The end was him in prison, and sitting there. And it's easy to imagine yourself in his position. I, I know what I would be thinking if Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, why don't you come and let me out? Why are you leaving me here? But that was what was Jesus' response to John? He didn't really tell him why, did he? But he said, The gospel is being preached. Rejoice in that. God is in control, His kingdom is growing. You know, God could tell us more about his plan. He could tell us more about why in our life. But no matter how much he told us, we would still always have more questions, right? He may spend an hour every day telling us uh, his plan for our lives. We'd always have more questions. What it comes down to is that confidence that Jesus shows that God is in control. That that confidence of the psalmist in in Psalm 46.10, wait, be still, and know That I am God. All things must be fulfilled. That is to say, all things must happen according to God's plan. And he doesn't always tell us why. But even in the darkest days of our lives, we have that confidence that we can can wait on God. Jesus trusts God, he trusts the Father's plan. Even when the soldiers come, even when the clubs and the swords come out, even when—and think about this—Jesus Himself, what does He say? And what did he, we read in our Passion reading? He said, "This is your hour, and the hour of the power of darkness." Even when Jesus Himself admits that it's the hour of Satan and the, the fullness of Satan's power, still, I'm not afraid. Even if it's your hour, it's only your hour because the Father permits it. The Father allows it. He is in control. Certainly times in our lives, I think, when we think God's not in control. I don't know who's in control, but it sure doesn't seem like God is in control. Even when Satan was at his fullness, Jesus confessed, I'm trusting God. He is in control. Even this is in fulfillment of his plan, of his scripture. How else can scripture be fulfilled? How else can God's will be done? You don't understand why. You know God is in control. Remember that beautiful passage from Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He knows. I God says, I know. We don't know, but God knows. There is one plan we do know. A plan that Jesus refers to right here, in our sermon text. The plan that God <coughs> came up with before the foundation of the world to send his son to be born of a woman, to live a life, to go into the wilderness, to be tempted for us, as we talked about a uh, uh, couple Sundays ago, to die for us. We know that plan. The plan that Jesus is going to save us through the blood of his son. And all other things, we leave it up to God and trust He is in control. How else can scripture be fulfilled? How else can his plan be done among us? Amen.